I learned that showing myself off to the world was a key component to, to building a career. Artists should have the resources they need to do the work that runs through their veins. And with the gathering of resources, we will one day abolish the phrase, starving artist. Day and night, the movement does not cease, for creativity never sleeps. We are Artist Uprising. Welcome to the Artist Uprising podcast. I'm your host. We have a special guest with us today coming all the way from Fort Worth, Texas. He is a fashion artist. He goes by the name Sunflower Man. How are you doing? Doing very well. Thank you so much for having me. Let's start with the name Sunflower Man. How did you get the name? How did that come about? Tell me about that. Like any good superhero sounding name, there needs to be an origin story. And for me, I was 10 years old. And I grew up in Michigan, in West Michigan. So I would go to this summer camp. And this one year, there was a skit class. And we had to grab an item out of a bag and turn it into a skit. I reach into the bag, I grab out a shower curtain, I look at it, it's covered in sunflowers. So immediately, I just drape it over my shoulders, tie it off, and I became Sunflower Man that day. Was it just something that you said, this is my name, and you know what I'm saying? Is Part of it was there was some, some childhood drama so I probably would have just forgotten about it the next day. But I was holding a grudge, so I couldn't let it go of this character, this identity. I want to know about the grudge. The grudge. Oh, man. Uh, so there were four of us in this little group. And all of us had to agree on whatever the skit was going to be. I'd grab the shower curtain, and I wanted, obviously, to be a superhero and to create the story around that theme. One of my friends was ardently against that plan. We all had to agree on whatever the skit was, so it ended up being a picnic. And so I was very mad about this. Right. And it, it just, I held on to it. And like I said, I would write about him in, in school and draw him and do all of this, this creative work around the idea of Sunflower Man. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it wouldn't have happened without the grudge. For were, sure. were you always uh, an artistic, like, artistic growing up like as a child was art something as far as like your focus yeah i'm a little bit of a black sheep in my family this way but i was born with a pencil in my hand i've always been drawing since before i had memories of it right and when i was graduating high school i had to apply to a college so i applied to art school was that also in grand rapids yeah so that was in grand rapids kendall college of art and design of Ferris State University. I can't believe that I remember all of those syllables. Uh, <laughs> just so much of a name. Tell me about your time like there. Like was, was as far as formidable as far as like molding you into who you are as an artist today? Absolutely. I grew up in a very conservative Christian bubble, which is fine for some people. And it was fine for me till I thought, I need to see what else is in the world. What else is there to experience? So going off to art school was the first opportunity I ever had to discover what the world is and who I was. And Sunflower Man, the character, just kind of carried with me. My name is Matthew Miller. Thousands of people have my exact same name. Even now, some Matthew Miller in Phoenix, Arizona, did something bad. I don't know what it is because the authorities won't tell me. But anytime I leave the country and return, I'm detained at the airport. Because Any, your name's Matthew Miller. And I have the same birthday, apparently. And your passport is essentially your name and your birthday. And that's it. That's the identifying information, which is usually enough. But another person with my name and birthday, 
did something terrible. I've never been to Peter. Can you, that change, could really, can you change your name, though, like legally, legally to Sunflower Man? I could. I know that, that's maybe a step too far. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can commit to that or not. Right, okay. Yeah. When you were talking about that in your college years, was there anyone, could be classmates or teachers, that you could say inspired you, like helped you on, on anyone in particular? Yeah, my high school art teacher oh, was okay. really pivotal for okay. me. Uh, introduced me to watercolors, which is what I do mostly now as an artist. Yeah. Uh, so really kind of brought that love into my life. And she was really encouraging of me as a student and as a potential career artist. That time in college when you were, like, I guess, close to finishing, what was your aspirations at that point? Were you, were you thinking, I'm going to continue doing art, or was there somewhat, something else you were going to do before you, you mm -hmm. headed into doing what you do now? Yeah. Well, it just takes us down a little bit of a, a different journey. So I've dropped out of two art schools. I never graduated. Uh, so I dropped out of KCAD in Grand Rapids, and then I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, where they, there's a campus for Savannah College of Art and Design. Okay. And great facilities, great program, really kind of a top-rated program for illustration, which was my major. Um, but I attended there, and I, I really, I have my own issues with art school and the way that art school is run across America. Tell me about it. Oh, it's a, most universities nowadays are for profit, even though they're legally not for profit, they're for profit. And an artist doesn't need to go and pay $40,000 a year to learn how to paint watercolors. They don't, there's no reason. Maybe 10, maybe. But yeah. the amount of money that's charged for students who are probably never going to have a career in the arts, who walk out of art school with $200,000, $250,000 in debt, it's outrageous. It actually makes me angry as an artist that they're taking advantage of people's hopes and aspirations in that way. So I have my issues with the art school system. I obviously learned a lot. I'm not going to say I didn't learn anything. I met my wife at art school hugely important for me as well. But I didn't have a plan to get at your, your point there. I, I went to art school because that's what I thought I was supposed to do. You go to university, you get a job. And I dropped out twice, and I decided to make my own career. And that was strange, because I never really knew what life was going to be after art school. Was, I, was part of that, of dropping out, also because of kind of like what you mentioned, the frustration of like, paying this much like every year? Like was that kind of the buildup to why you left? Yes, and also I think more life experiences. The reason I left my, my bubble growing up was for life experience. The reason I left art school is because I felt like that experience was too, too small, not big enough, not especially for the amount of money. Really art is about the, the tactile experience, that practical experimentation and you can do it for next to nothing. And so art school just didn't make any sense for me anymore. So I left, my wife graduated. She has a different opinion than I do. I'm totally fine with her opinion, and I'm also fine with my opinion on this. A degree in an art school is about connections. Yeah. You wanna meet gallerists, you wanna meet collectors, you wanna associate with your professors. Professors a lot of times had a career or have a concurrent career, and they know people. Connections are everything if you're going to go to art school. I didn't know that. I thought it was about grades and paying tens of thousands of dollars to get good grades when I just did it for free in high school. 
didn't make sense. During your time in college, would you say you made some good connections there? I made great friends. Okay. A terrible business person. Uh, I'll be I'll forthright on that with everyone. Not a great business person. I have found a niche in a market that works for me and people who are drawn to what I do. So I've made a decent career. Not a great business person, which goes back to making networking connections. I did not do that in college at all. Uh, so I, I missed out on that opportunity. If you're in college, make connections. Make connections. And so you're finishing up or you leave uh, art school. What was the next plan after that? No plan other than figure out what life is. So I was living in Atlanta when I dropped out of art school the second time, working at a Home Goods in a pizzeria. That's a whole other life story. And I would get home probably 10 o'clock at night from working at the pizzeria. I would paint for four hours straight, five if I could manage, but I got tired. I would wake up 8, 9, 10 o'clock, go back to work. So that was my time. Dropping out of art school was work, paint, work, paint. I did that for months. Was there work though coming through on the art side that kind of kept you going besides doing it after work? No. There wasn't. <laughs> no, I was plugging myself into the artist community in Atlanta, yeah. which especially even, even a decade ago, really robust art community in Atlanta. But I, I started getting connected and trying to do little shows here and there. I was volunteering at an arts organization, so we were working with high school students who were sophomore, junior, senior year, uh, kind of engaging them in the art scene and teaching them maybe some practical sides of what it is to be an artist and then giving them art shows and connecting them with artists as well. So I was doing that and that also helped me connect with other artists in the area. And again, I was just on a discovery path. I was not making money from it. Maybe like $100 here, $100 there occasionally. Right. There was nothing consistent. There was no, there was no real theme in what I was doing that was connecting with people. That's when I, I came into men's fashion. I, for whatever reason, this is totally incidental, I don't know how it happened, ended up in the men's fashion industry. Painted a portrait of a friend, somebody in London saw it, Painted, he was like wearing a suit and tie. The idea wasn't about fashion, it was about my friend, but somebody saw it and they liked it. I was like, okay, interesting, here's an industry, and let me, let me just explore that a little bit. And that was the first moment I ever had, like a real career path. And how did those doors open? Oh, a couple different ways. I started really, this is the height of Tumblr, hashtag menswear scene was really, really big. Men were discovering that, yes, clothes are really cool. Men, men is like an American average, quintessential man who yeah. thought they shouldn't go to the store and, or care about anything they wore. We're getting into clothing for really the first time in America. And that opened up doors. I was exploring the fashion world myself. Uh, I was... I think the only person in the world at the time, as best I could figure, who was illustrating men's fashion. So I was connecting with Blogspot when Blogspot was a big deal. Tumblr, I was early on Instagram, even though I didn't know it, and I was connecting with people online because the fashion industry is so diverse. But also in Atlanta, I was walking into men's shops and saying, here I am, <laughs> not knowing what to do. I never cold called, I didn't have a plan, I was just like, hello, I do X, Y, and Z. I learned that showing myself off to the world was a key component 
to, to building a career. Were you also using Sunflower Man as? Absolutely. Sunflower Man, when I graduated high school, Sunflower Man slow just became more and more of my professional identity. So my emails were all Sunflower Man. My, my blogs were Sunflower Man. My social media, everything was Sunflower Man. Just because it was this other thing other than Matthew Miller, which again, a name so many people have had. There's nothing particularly unique about it. I really identified with Sunflower Man as this eclectic, ambiguous character. So it really, it kind of just became who I was. And I was using it for everything. From Atlanta, you went overseas, am I correct, after that? Yeah, lived in Atlanta for about four years. That's where I met my wife, at art school. Yeah. Uh, she's from Fort Worth, Texas, which is where I live now. And we got married in Fort Worth. A couple months later, we decided to live abroad. She had just graduated. I was starting at this, this like very nascent point in my career, focusing on men's fashion. And we decided, okay, we can just leave. We have no obligations. Uh, so we left. We went to Greece. We went to Croatia. We went to Portugal. And that was about nine months. Came back to the US for about two years, kind of traveled around the US, and then went back overseas for another 14, 15 months. What would you say, as far as that time overseas, how much did that mold or shape, you know, even more like the person who you are today? I, I think I've had this question and I don't know what the exact particulars are. I can't say I do this because I lived overseas, but I know it must have affected me. I loved it so much. Croatia, when you're living along the, the coast of yeah. the Adriatic Sea, it's just mountains that fall right into the sea. So all the homes are kind of built. Each home behind was higher than the previous one because it's going up the mountains. Right. So you have this gorgeous sunset view every night. I would walk seven minutes down to the cafe. I was the first one there at seven o'clock in the morning. At first they hated me because they were like, we're just trying to be casual. It was the off season. Nobody was there. My wife and I were the only non-Croatian people there. But this was like the only cafe that was open. And I would show up right when they opened. They did not like it. But after about a couple weeks, we were there for three months. Yeah. So after a couple weeks, they realized, okay, he just wants espresso and he just wants to sit there. So they knew the drill after a little while. And they were like, okay, we know it's that. Um, but I would just pull up a seat, sit right next to the water, and just sip my espresso, draw, read something. But that was, that was life-changing in a way that, again, I, don't, I can't say I do X, Y, or Z because of that. Yeah. But it's changed my entire perspective on what I want from my life. Did you take bits and pieces of, say, just the visual aspect when it comes to the fashion that you saw there in all the other cities? And what yeah, would you yeah. say is the difference between, you know, living abroad in those places compared to like the U.S. when it comes to fashion? When it comes to fashion, I think in the U.S. as a whole, we don't really care that much about fashion. Maybe if you're in New York or L.A., it's a part of your lifestyle. Maybe Chicago and Houston, but not as much. And then you get to Dallas and Fort Worth. There are communities of people who care. But as a whole, it just doesn't really matter. Right. When you're overseas, it is, especially in Italy. Italy, England, well, England might have another problem. If you're outside of London, it doesn't matter, but the majority of people in England live in London. So you can still say the majority of England's, Englanders, majority of the English, care about style. It's a part of your lifestyle yeah. in these places to care about the eyewear you, you have, your shoes, 
um, especially in Italy, you're wearing loafers and a nice cut suit. It's, it's important. It's a part of your way of life in a lot of these places. Where in the U.S., it's not so much. I think that's maybe the biggest difference. Had you already had, though, that whole aesthetic about you as far as the way you were dressing and, and whatnot uh, when you came there to visit, or was that something that you acquired while you were out there? I, I'd say I'm on a, a constant state of evolution when it comes to my, my sense of fashion. My interest had already like burgeoned in Atlanta. So about a year or two in Atlanta, I was really focusing on it. And so when I went overseas, it was a great opportunity to see other people yeah. in other countries and, and what they cared about. Um, but that entire time up until now, I'm still discovering who I am as, as a person, as an artist, as somebody interested in, in clothing. And you, so you're there out in Europe, and then you finally make your way back to Fort Worth. Yeah. What takes place there? What's, what, what's, what's happening? Fort Worth, from the very moment I arrived, was very accepting of me. I had no idea why. Turns out Fort Worth is just accepting of people. Fort Worth is a great place to show up and exist. Because the creative community especially, they want, they want a bigger community. They want people who are doing different things and who can add something extra yeah. to the city. And so when I showed up, I, I didn't quite understand, but I tried to meet as many people as I could to try to get a feel for What the city. would you do in order to get out there to meet people? Like, what, where were you going? Like, yeah. how did you find out where to go and who to meet? I, I, that, I think that's key. It's something I didn't do before Fort Worth, but that I would do again if I moved somewhere new. But I just looked for interesting people in DFW who I could connect with. Maybe people related to fashion, or creative endeavors, and I would just DM them and say, are you interested in meeting me for coffee? I'm new to town, don't know anything, I just, I'm interested in getting to know creative and interesting people. So that was it, I took coffee meetings three to five times a week, and I just got to know people. That was huge, huge in a way I didn't intend on. I, I didn't know that it would lead to me meeting more people outside of those coffee meetings. I was just trying to find a place in the city. Right. Uh, but going back to that idea of when, when you're in school, networking is so important. Networking can just be find somebody, uh, a gallerist, a collector, mm -hmm. somebody who is open and willing to talk to you and just get to know them a little bit. Maybe they don't have time, but maybe they do. You have coffee, you have dinner. Just get to know people. No real objective other than I'm here, you're here, let's meet. Can you mention or share with us like some of the highlights that you've been able to experience since moving back and growing the Sunflower Man brand? So when I did move to Fort Worth, there was a project I did with Dickies. Uh, Dickies is a Fort Worth company. Mm -hmm. Originally, they're still, their headquarters is still in Fort Worth, which is awesome. So when I moved back, they reached out to me. They had no idea I moved to Fort Worth. It was just a beautiful coincidence. Uh, but they were sponsoring Fortress Fest and they work with Leon Bridges. And so we worked out this project. I got to paint this portrait of Leon Bridges on Dickie's fabric, and I got to work with uh, local Fort Worth creatives. 12 Midnight was just starting up, and they were shooting this documentary around the production of the painting. And then I got to paint live at the Dickie's booth um, during Fortress Fest, which Texas summers, I don't. I don't suggest anybody stand outside. Were you in shorts uh, or were you in a suit? I don't remember. Oh, I was probably wearing like Dickies trousers. Like okay. They're, they're classic. I don't remember what, what exactly it's called. But it, they were long pants. Yeah. So that was a mistake. 
Great time, though. Great time. Right. Uh, but yes, that was one of the first things I, I did when I moved to Fort Worth, like one of the first like local projects. Um, that was a great opportunity. I mean, interesting enough, though, they didn't know you were actually from Fort Worth, and they had reached out to yeah. you. I mean, I'm sure they were surprised and happy when they found out, though. Yeah. I, I think it, it made the project that much more interesting, because they just asked if I could do a painting. And then it turns out, well, I'm here. Let's do a little documentary. Let's do a video. Let's do live painting. Uh, so it, it ballooned into something much more interesting. How has that or things of that nature kind of like helped you as far as implementing your brand and style in the city of Fort Worth? Ooh, in the city of Fort Worth. Ooh, that's tough. In terms of branding, I've really taken on a lot of the Fort Worth identity. The shoes I'm wearing right now are designed by a Fort Worth uh, designer. I'm wearing a ring right now by a Fort Worth jeweler. Uh, trousers I have on are from a Fort Worth fashion designer. Wow. So I've, I've really taken on the mantle of Fort Worth as much as I'm able. Uh, because the city was so willing to accept me. Is that as intentional? Ooh, great question. I would like to say yes, it's intentional, but it, it's nice that Fort Worth makes it so easy to adopt uh, from the culture that I'm in. As far as getting back to like branding and, and whatnot, you have a unique look to you, uh, some would say, and the suit and whatnot. How important is that? for an artist, per se, their branding when it comes to just from the look on the outside when it comes to what you do? Yeah, I think it's, it's become very important. I didn't know it when I first started out as an artist that there were these visual cues that people would grab onto and say, oh, this is who Sunflower Man is. Yeah. And it's changed it over the years. But early on, back in Atlanta, I would wear these crazy bright yellow glasses. Uh, very bright. My wife hated it, but I loved them. So I would wear them everywhere. And the very first time anybody ever stopped me and asked me, like, oh, are you Sunflower Man? Was when I was living in Atlanta. I just started on social media and getting, doing a few shows here and there, wearing those glasses. Somebody just like stops their car as I'm walking on the street and rolls down their window and yells at me. They're like, hey, are you Sunflower Man? Wow. And it, it blew my mind. Yeah. It was a great moment of understanding that Yes, social media is powerful, but also those, those branding elements are powerful. Later on, I would add a hat, and a hat became really like, essential for me. Recently, I've moved to just letting the hair kind of speak for itself. Just kind of like what you mentioned with this art piece. So. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this, this piece of the hat is kind of lifting off, and the hair is kind of <laughs> blooming out of that like a chia pet. Um, but yeah, kind of symbolic of this moment where I'm moving away from the hat, not intentionally, a lot of this ends up being incidental. But yeah, these visual cues, and not only visual cues, but for me, it's been very important for the cues to be visual, are important in branding. It becomes the thing that people can grab onto when they see you on the internet or in person. For our listeners and viewers out there, what advice would you give to them regarding following your path, your dreams and goal? If, say for instance, you're there in a situation like yours where you, you know, left college and then kind of had to find your way, what advice yeah. would you give to them? Yeah, I hate giving advice because I, I don't think I have good advice. I just have my experience. And for me, going after what I wanted and going all in was important. Uh, in my situation, I had safety nets. Like if I needed to go move back to Michigan after moving to Atlanta, I could do it as much as I didn't want to, yeah. I could have done it. 
later on after I figured out my life in Atlanta and um, met the woman I was going to marry, we got married and just left the country, right? We lived overseas, like I was saying before. We had a safety net. Her family was willing to just let us move in if we ran out of money and if our experiment didn't work out. So going all in and, and going for broke was easier for me and I think it might be for a lot of people who have responsibilities and obligations. But in my experience, when I had options, I didn't have money, but I had options. Going all in and saying, no matter what, I'm just gonna keep working on my, my creative talent, my brands, keep reaching out to clients, and just see what comes of the work I create. Um, that, was, that was huge, to just go all in. Is there anything big in the works for you with 2022? Ooh, big for 2022. I think I have a lot of little things in 2022. I paint a lot of watches. So I'm going a lot more into the watch industry, which is exciting for me. And I'm focusing more on watercolor. There was a moment where I was trying to pivot to digital because digital really is exciting. There's so much power in an iPad and Procreate and ZBrush. Like, there's so much power. I tried to go all in on that. I realized it wasn't for me. So I'm pivoting back to watercolors, which was my true first love way back in high school when I was introduced to it. Yeah. I, I fell in love with it. I've fallen in and out of love with it for various reasons. Uh, but it was my first love and I'm, I'm falling in love with it again. So my focus is on watercolors. And I mean, there's another cool project I'm working on. So I did the cover art for um, Abraham Alexander's song, Stay. And he's re-releasing it. So I got to reprise that cover, which is really exciting for me. That should be coming out, or should already be out by the time we're, we're talking about this. And for our viewers and listeners, how can they find you on social media? I'm Sunflower Man everywhere. All one word. All day, Just search day. Sunflower Man, I'm, I'm there. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you once again for coming out uh, to be a part of our podcast. And man, much success to you in the future. And uh, we will talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Stay tuned and explore the next Artist Uprising. Use hashtag Artist Uprising to join the movement.